Gardaí could interview a person of interest as part of the investigation into the murder of Ashling Murphy today. And for the latest, I'm joined on the line by Garrod Keegan, Deputy Editor of the Tullamore Tribune. Garrod, good morning to you and thank you for joining us today. First of all, will you bring us the latest on that investigation and the, those plans we're hearing about that the Gardaí could interview that person of interest today? Yeah, this person of interest um, emerged um, after the the first suspect and now the former suspect who has been completely eliminated from the investigation, Radu Flores, a local man in Tullamore, was released. And um, the focus all along, it, it appears all along that, that the Gardaí were keeping an open mind. And we have to remember that the superintendent said that in a statement down close to the crime scene earlier on in the investigation, even when the first suspect was still in custody, he said that Gardaí were keeping an open mind and he wanted us to to remember that, and as it turned out, um, they were correct to keep an open mind. The, the latest person of interest, he um, apparently is in a hospital in Dublin, apparently having um, gone to Dublin from County Offaly. The Gardaí uh, searched a house um, in a village close to Tullamore over the weekend, quite an intensive search. There were specialist officers present, and um, a similar uh, work was carried out at a house in, in Dublin as part of this investigation. And now we, we're moving towards the stage where the man will be um, interviewed. He has uh, he has suffered wounds and that's why he's in hospital. And it appears that it's a question of um, he will be interviewed when he's medical, being medically fit to do so. And that bike, the distinctive bike that the Gardaí had been uh, searching for information on, that's been recovered as well, has it, Garrod? Yeah, the bike uh, has been recovered and the bike is... A, a crucial part of the investigation because they believe that the, that's the bike that the killer used and that's a bike that the killer abandoned at the crime scene and close to the crime scene and fled on foot. Uh, they released the image of the bike uh, while the Gardaí released the image of that bike. There were images, um, stills from CCTV footage from around the town of Tullamore of a man on a bike and um, that's the man that, that is the, the person, that's the same man that Cardi believe is the person of interest and uh, linking that man to the bike, linking the bike to the crime scene and linking the man to um, to the crime scene um, is is what the Guardian will hope will provide the basis for, for a charge in this case. And Garrod, over the weekend there were vigils held all over the country and further afield across the UK in Australia and so on. But locally you were at a few there and, and Ashling's family were present too. Yeah, the, the, everybody has been astounded and astonished and, and impressed by the strength of um, the Murphy family in these uh, incredibly difficult days. Um, there were three major visual, vigils in the Tullamore area. There was one in the town park in, in Tullamore, which is in coastal town centre, was attended by thousands. Um, about half an hour later, there was another one at Cap and Carr. Cap and Carr is, is effectively the location of the crime scene. There's a, a bridge across the Grand Canal there, um, accessible to traffic, and, and there's a car park nearby, and there's a canal lock. And, that, and at that vigil, um, Ray Murphy and his wife Kathleen and the, the Murphy um, family came along and not only did they come along but um, Ray played the banjo um, while the, the Ashling's, his daughter's favourite song was sung When You Were Sweet Sixteen, very emotional scenes 
and then everybody very respectfully um, joined in five decades of the rosary. Uh, there were Chinese lanterns released into the sky. Uh, hundreds of people were holding candles. There were candles laid out along the bridge and on the canal lock. And then a couple of hours later, the process was repeated all over again on an even larger scale in Mount Bolas, which is the, 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 the area where the church and jay ground nearest to where um, the Murphy family live is uh, in, in the... the wider parish of Kilcormac Kalahi. They live in, in the Kalahi end, if you like, of, of the parish. And um, the, that one, it was anticipated at first it would be in the churchyard of the, the church. Uh, but I think they decided that was too small and they had it in the GA pitch just nearby. And again, you know, it's hard to put a, a figure on the number of people who were there. Could have been a thousand, just definitely into the hundreds. The, the, the traditional music band that, that Ashling played with the Ballyboy Coltus groups, they performed and when the family arrived, Ray and Ashling's older sister um, joined in and, and played um, some tunes with that band. Um, quite um, astonishing scenes and, and quite emotional. And we just hope that the, the family are getting support from this. But as, as a couple of people have said to me, the way the family have acted, they're actually supporting the community too um, in, the, in the past couple of days in coming out and, and being seen at what must be an incredibly difficult time for them. And I know on Friday when we spoke, Garrod, you were saying how close you live to this walkway along the canal. Were many people out using it over the weekend? Yes, that's exactly it. The the, the, the section, the stretch of the canal, Grand Canal known as Fiona's Way, where the Fiona Pender Monument is, that's the main access point if you, if you want to walk or cycle or jog down the canal from the town centre. And it was uh, reopened up as far as the, the lock house that people have heard mentioned in the news, Boland's Lock. Uh, and people were walking along there. Um, I, I, it, it, there was one person described it as, as a hushed atmosphere yesterday. Um, that it was quiet. One person even said that they could hear the, the birds singing. It was as if people were walking in, in attempting to walk in Ashling's shoes, you know, as um, they went along. So it's very emotional for everybody. The, the flowers and the candles that are, are there at that point, you know, they're, they're growing in number um, every day. There are still people leaving flowers there and people coming along then in the evenings to, to light candles again. Yeah, I'm and sure even this morning, there were some candles still burning that were put there last night. That's right. And I'm sure people will have noticed that impromptu little shrines have, have been placed in different walkways right around the country as a, a tribute to Ashling. And the funeral will be held tomorrow. This huge outpouring of grief is likely to be expressed again at that funeral and in the town of Tullamore. How is the town preparing for this? Yeah, I think the the, the fact that the funeral is, is taking place now, in a sense, people are, you know, I, I hate to use the word glad, but they're hoping that some form of resolution will, will come along to this and that the funeral will take place. The people have been very respectful at the, the wake where uh, which the, her remains were reposing in the family home yesterday evening and hundreds of people went along and it was almost like a typical country wake where there was um, stewards out on the road, there were stewards in a, in a field helping people park and then um, people paid their respects inside and that's going to happen again this afternoon and um, the removal will take place then to uh, Mount Bowles Church uh, tomorrow morning at funeral mass and burial in a, a cemetery um, quite uh, close by uh, called Lower Town and um, those who cannot go along to the funeral will be able to um, uh, watch it online and it's anticipated that there will be many, many people do it online. There's so much interest in this from all over the world and um, awfully people indeed from all over the world have, have attended um, many individuals, you know, internationally in, in, in London and in New York. 
and there's likely to be, I would imagine, hundreds if not thousands of people lining the streets along the route to Garoge, you would expect? Yeah, the, the church is in, a, is in a rural part of Offaly. It's about um, six miles maybe from Tullamore. Uh, the, the family home is in a place called Blue Ball, which is a crossroads on the, on the road to um, Bor, um, about uh, four miles from Tullamore. And um, both churches a couple of miles then further in the country, if you like, around there. So it's, it's a small village. Um, the church is in a lovely location uh, right in the village. It has a little graveyard around it. Um, she won't be buried there. She'll be buried in what people still call the new cemetery, even though it's been there many, many years, mm-hmm. um, just just uh, close by up the road. And uh, yeah, it, 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 we expect the church will be thronged. Um, we expect that the, the car park outside and, and the, the, the village in, in Mount Bolas as well will be very full with people and I think people are very anxious to show their solidarity with the family as they have been doing uh, since, since Wednesday of last week. And we hope as you said earlier that the family can take some measure of comfort from that solidarity. Garrod, thanks as always. Garrod Keegan, Deputy Editor of the Tullamore Tribune. And as we were saying there, a number of vigils have been taking place across the country but those who couldn't get together in person have been holding online events. One such Zoom meeting took place yesterday evening and people may have seen what happened at this event which was attended very virtually by about 100 women and a warning to listeners before we begin that what we're about to hear could be upsetting for some. To tell us more, I'm joined on the line now by Sheila Nigul, who's music teacher and co-organiser of the event. Sheila, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. And I know you want to start by paying your respects to Ashling Murphy and her family. Yes, I'd just like to offer my condolences to Ashling's family and friends and partner at this really difficult time. And you organised this online event along with three other people and you all thought really carefully about whether to talk about what happened during this last night because it was so upsetting. But you do want to call it out uh, this morning. It was intended to be an all-woman event. Can you tell us what happened? Um, Myself and three other women decided to organise this online vigil uh, for people who couldn't make it in person. Uh, For example, I have a a young toddler and a six o'clock vigil isn't an ideal time or... There are people who are still concerned about COVID. There are people with disabilities. So we decided to have an online event with all women panellists. We had musicians, poets and speakers. And at some point during the panel discussion, um, a a man used the name of one of the panellists to log on and um, masturbated on screen close up of his genitals. And it was horrific. And the host then kicked him off. And then what happened? And he kept trying to log on again, but thankfully the host um, stayed on top of it and um, kept him out. But it it was enough that it was massively upsetting for all of our panellists and organisers and I think anyone who attended as well. Well, you sound upset even talking about it this morning and I'm sure at the time it was really distressing given what you were attempting to do with this vigil. Yeah, and it's, it's just... It's horrific and at any time that a man would, you know, do this to a, a safe space full of women. But the fact that we were grieving, um, that we were sad and angry and actually speaking at the time about how we needed men to do better when it came to violence against women. And someone thought that this was, uh, you know, an acceptable thing to do in this safe space for women. And I think... We we really need to have a discussion about um, acceptable behaviour towards women and 
other men calling out behaviours like this. Did the meeting keep going after that happened, Sheila? It did, yeah. Um, the speaker who was speaking at the time was Rosemary Mon, a traveller activist and a, a fantastic strong woman who essentially called it out. She was actually in the middle of speaking about how men need to be better and um, called it out and then continued with her um, her speech. She's very powerful, so strong. And the music continued, the poetry, and we, you know, we were determined to continue our event and not let this uh, derail it. But afterwards, I think when the call ended was when it really hit us and when we all um, got really, really upset and were speaking together on our WhatsApp group and just incredulous. Yeah, I mean, for the panellists, you can imagine how difficult uh, it was. But then, as you say, afterwards, the, the magnitude of, of this infiltrator and what, what he did hit you all. And mm. I know that when these things happen, you can get through it and you can carry on. And then you realise afterwards what just happened. Yeah. And that was it. I don't think it really hit us until afterwards. And then you're thinking about how you've tried to organise um you know, a vigil in a safe space for people and all of the attendees would have seen this and it could have been horrifically triggering for any woman who had suffered any kind of um, sexual violence or violence from men in the past and you just feel sort of uh, the responsibility weighs on you that this happened Um, on, on top of the anger that someone would just, that someone would do this. There has been an emphasis over the past few days. You know, we've heard, all heard the "not all men" um, slogan doing the rounds. Can you understand why some men feel aggrieved about the narrative? Did this man try to make any point? Did he say anything? He didn't say anything. And to be honest, when I hear "not all men," that's another thing that angers me because um, even if it's only a small proportion of men, how are we supposed to know which ones? This man is faceless. He could be anyone. He could be your cousin. He could be your work colleague. He could be your friend. He could be anyone at all. How are we supposed to know? So when you say not all men, you know, that's fair enough. And I know most men are fantastic. And I have men in my life who are fantastic. But we don't know which men. So is it any wonder that we're scared all the time? I know there was a discussion online about this last night after it happened. Did anyone try to defend what this man was doing? Um, not to me and not that I've seen. And I, if if there was any kind of defence of him, and I, I can nearly hear it now that some men would be saying, oh, but it was just a joke, a joke that went too far. Uh, no, it's indefensible. And if someone is trying to defend this man, I don't want to hear it. All right, Sheila, we'll, we'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much indeed, though. Sheila Nigul, their music teacher and co-organiser of the online event to remember Ashling Murphy. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, has confirmed that a new strategy to deal with gender-based violence will likely be published in March. The Cabinet is expected to examine a raft of tough new zero-tolerance measures when it meets this week to address this issue of gender-based violence in society. So what should the measures look like? Well, I'm joined on the line by criminologist and lecturer TU Dublin, Trina O'Connor. Good morning to you, Trina. Thank you for joining us. So this strategy, it will be published hopefully in March. Would you say it's long overdue? Yeah, absolutely, Claire. I mean, as far as I understand, it was due in December. Um, 
actually it's probably about 30 years over overdue really in terms of what the strategy should look like it, it should really involve a couple of different measures it should be looking at the education piece the intervention it should be looking at prosecution and what happens when somebody is prosecuted for crimes of this nature and it should also look at coordination of policy across departments and i think that's key to this and what we need is we need a strategy that is fully funded long term and that has an evaluation piece that it isn't just something that happens now and then falls off the radar when something else happens because this is something that's going on for every day for women in our society so we really need to be dealing with this moment now um, on, on the back of such tragic events last week we really need to get the impetus to move this forward to use an education piece to bring people along in a measured way to start dialogue to start conversations to put interventions in place to call out microaggressions and sexism within our society what do you think of what Sheila Gould was just telling us about the online vigil last night yeah, I mean, it was awful. I, I, I saw it on Twitter and I saw the trauma of the people who were on that call. I think when you talk about flashers, like flashers usually are people who come with a distorted sense of arousal and they get pleasure from their victim shock, fear and anxiety. Um, they, they're often men who hold very sexist attitudes towards women. So I think... The, that, the, and, and for many of the women that were on that call, they just got on with it. And that kind of speaks to the situations that women deal with on a daily basis, that microaggression um, of sexual violence that they deal with. You just get on with it. And then afterwards, when you reflect very often, the trauma can be triggering for past events that people may have had. So that kind of speaks to the whole narrative that we're talking about. Women are interfered with on a daily basis in safe spaces, in public spaces, within their home, in this sexist way and that that is the epidemic that we have within our society. I know you say that education is key, uh, that we need this education programme at primary and secondary school level and part of that is the bystander intervention programme. What is that? What are we asking people to do? Yes, so Professor Louise Crowley in UCC has been working with students um, around bystander and it's about people being able to call out inappropriate behaviour and in order for people to call out inappropriate behaviour they have to be educated about what is an inappropriate behaviour, what kind of attitudes and and beliefs or normalisation of violence have we got within our society. So things like victim blaming or people bragging about their sexual conquests um, this boys will be boys locker room banter, cat calling unsolicited photos uh, groping uh, and all the way up to, you know, sexual abuse and exploitation. So it's about, so it's, a, it's about diffusing them situations. If a man or indeed a woman comes across a situation where they see a woman um, being uh, catcalled or feeling um, um, violated in a space on a bus of a man sitting too close to her or, uh, and asking her questions when the woman's putting her headphones in, for example. Yeah. And it's about challenging that by maybe saying to the woman what time is her or engaging her in conversation to diffuse the situation and offer the woman support. I, I was just not- thinking about, about the, the catcalling incidents, right? You imagine now, Trina, you're walking down the street and a man is catcalling another woman and you intervene. Like you can pretty much write the script as to what's going yeah, to happen next. Yeah, yeah, so you're not going to intervene with the man. You're going to offer the woman support. So you will go and speak to the woman. 
like I, I, I wouldn't want people interfering with men that are in this kind of heightened uh, arousal because that can lead to an escalation and sometimes can lead violence. So it's important that you know who you're going to offer the support to. You're going to intervene in a supportive way to the victim and um, not to the perpetrator. So I understand where a lot of people think, oh, intervening is about uh, standing up to the man or speaking to him in a way that makes him change his direction onto you. But that's not what it's about. It's about it's offering support the to woman. the victim. And if uh, a man or, or a woman, anyone is a member of a WhatsApp group where there is inappropriate pictures being passed around or inappropriate comments being made, what is the right response? Well, well, it's, it's, it's about calling it out. It's about saying this is inappropriate. This is not something that I want to be part of. Uh, you need to check yourself if you think this is the right way to talk. The sexist um, uh, attitude towards women is not something that we'll tolerate. It's about people having boundaries around what kind of rhetoric or what kind of narrative they will, they will accept from the people within their friend groups. Um, and very often when people are called out, they will check themselves and they will look at their behaviour if it's not tolerated. But as long as it's tolerated in, in silence, um, th- then it will continue and, and it can escalate where p- the microaggressions can become bigger aggressions. So it's about challenging it at, at its very basic level. It's, and it's, I think it's that's about key. giving people the tools to have the courage to do that because it's not easy. No, no, it's not easy. It, it, it's certainly not easy, but, the, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't start the conversation now because if we bring, for example, the bystander intervention programme to primary schools, we will be working then with children that are grown up with a total understanding of, of what are the attitudes and beliefs that are accepted within our civil society. And I think, too, what we need to do also is we need to do a piece around the older generation as well because we can't put all this on young people. We need to deal with the people People who might say, oh, you know, he's a dinosaur, he's from that age and he doesn't mean it. And so we need to challenge that too. So we need to be looking at going into sports clubs and we need to be looking anywhere in work environments. So these kind of attitudes need to be challenged at every level of society. And we need to see it from the doll down. So sometimes we hear sexist language even within the doll and that needs to be called out. So it needs to be shown that women are equal within our society everywhere where they're represented and women need to be represented at every level and they need to be part of conversations and with this new strategy it's important that women continue to be part of the strategy that once the strategy comes out that's not just handed over to uh, committees and women are not represented and lived experiences are not represented and it needs to be ongoing it needs to be evaluated consistently Trina thank you very much for your time this morning Trina O'Connor there criminologist and lecturer at TU Dublin an email from a male list Everyone knows that men who behaved like that last night are weak and despised by most decent people and rightly so. And any man who thinks such behaviour is just a joke is a lot worse than they even know. Let's take a break.